Well, hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. So today's podcast is titled, What Does Chaos Teach Us? But before we start our podcast series, this is the first in 2021, I want to just take a moment and say hello and welcome to 2021. Happy New Year. But also to let you know that we are a little unconventional now with our recording studio. So as you're very well aware, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, even though we have gone into a new year. And because of that, uh, my staff and I have thought for our own safety, we're going to social distance even more. And right now it's not safe for my incredible podcast team to be all in the same room. So my grandson, all of 12 years old, is now my tech specialist and he's doing a wonderful job. But we do ask you to offer us a little grace if you hear a little background noise because we are certainly not in a soundproof room. And I hope that doesn't minimize your experience at all. If anything, I hope it humanizes it as we all just are navigating this once in a lifetime experience around this pandemic and doing what we can to keep each other safe for the coming years. So my friends, we are standing at a sacred portal and I pray that you take this opportunity to create intention. It doesn't have to be done on December 31st or even January 1st. There's an opportunity as we go into the the new year as every day in front of us is a blank canvas. So as you feel the need or you feel called or the desire to do something to uh, create intention or mindfulness around some of what you're doing to Look at your dreams and your goals and your hopes. And the one of the ways that we do that is by assessing where we have come from, our collective and our individual human experiences, because how we have responded to those things, and especially 2020 has given us all kinds of chaos and trauma and disruption in our lives to take a look at and even things around bigotry and bias and prejudices all those are clues about how we either respond to them or deflect from them in order to see who we are based on how we respond to some of the things that have happened to us. So taking time to assess those items and those experiences before we start to set out to plan our future is so, so critical. I've often said that had I known that my first year of seminary would be about untangling from my uh, my past to fully step into my calling, I'm not sure I would have accepted that invitation to join the class of 2017 at One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in 2015 because what I realized then was that I assumed I was going in to learn about the world religions and knowing that I would come out on the other side of this if I 
if I did everything I was supposed to do to qualify for ordination, that I would come out of on the other side of this and be an ordained inner faith, inner spiritual minister. So I saw myself immersed in all kinds of world religions. And I certainly was, and as well as the inner spiritual. And inner spiritual means that we accept the fact that the that God, the divine, the holy, the, the divine mystery also exists outside of organized religion. And that certainly is my path as I certainly uh, resonate with the spiritual but not religious path more so than I do my evangelical Southern Baptist or Christian heritage. But now being on the other side of that experience, I thank God for those wisdom keepers who were smarter than I was because they knew that in order for me to do the work that I had been called to do, the baggage that I was carrying was not serving my highest good. And if I'm not serving my highest good, then how in the world can I be a part of the work needed to heal this world? So this is the kind of work that we did um, in my free online masterclass that was called Spiritual Reset 2021. And I hope that you had a chance to do that. We had some amazing conversations during those classes. But if you didn't, that's okay. Be looking on my website at RevCarla.com because we will be uploading a recorded version of that class very soon. And also we will be announcing new free classes because throughout 2021, we will be also doing some other classes that you'll be able to take a part of, as well as some uh, workshops and um, online coursework that you can do. But that spiritual reset is a segue into our teaching theme for this week. So let's talk about what the new year means for us, especially after the year of 2020. Now, if you are as tired as I am about talking about 2020, I I hear you, I understand that. But the truth is, like I said earlier, chaos and our response to it teaches us so much about ourselves. The first thing we can do is acknowledge, number one, that we made it through. Beloved, we made it through and we know that worldwide there are many people who have not survived this pandemic there are many people who have been gravely impacted by so many of the world's tragedies that have happened this past year but this time in January is the sacred portal to a new year. And when I was a little girl, I really did imagine a lot of times I would be at home. My mother was a single mother, so she would be out doing doing her thing as, as, as parents would, being out celebrating. And my brother and I would be at home celebrating midnight alone. And so we were very much relying on uh, television at that time, satellite television, to give us an idea of what was happening in the experience of the new year. And I remember very clearly this feeling about 1150, 1155 of just this wave of new energy that was coming towards me. And I, so I sat with that visualization many, many times where I would just feel as this, as the midnight hour got closer, this, this wave of new energy that was coming towards me and then through me and then over me and then past me. It was very real. And I had no idea at the time that that is a, that is an accurate reflection of something that we can capture in our lives if we just bring intention to some of the things that happen. One of the, one of my my friends posted on um, a social media an actual picture of having his back door open 
to allow the new energy into of the new year and then having his front door open to invite the old energy of the past year to leave. And I just love that power of that visualization because that is an accurate reflection of what this day is. Of course, we can commemorate it with celebration. There's no judgment in that, especially after surviving some of what's happened in 2020. I think that's a wonderful thing that we can do. And I also understand the excessive celebrations where you just might be a tad over-celebratory that leads to maybe a, a, a late morning of sleeping in the following day. But as children, we aren't afraid of the magic and the mysteries of, the, of creation and the unexplainable. And I believe that probably more so than sometimes that we as adults, that my experience of having that time between 11.50 and midnight where I started to visualize or feel that change of energy that was getting ready to flow over me was much more indicative of the kind of thing that we're capable of doing if we just pause and pay attention. This is about reflection. This is about contemplation. This is about gratitude because we can pause and even be grateful for experiences that brought us chaos. Now, friends, I know that's a big sentence, and we'll dive into that a little bit more as we go through this, but we are being invited to look into the mirror of our humanity and consider what chaos is teaching us. Because chaos, just like joyous events, just like celebratory events, just like high achievements, chaos has wisdom for us. Chaos is here. It's a part of our lives. It's a reality. So where we have come from and how we have responded to those experiences teach us about the things that we may need to heal or release that we no longer need in our lives to serve our highest good. So if I could offer you one thing for you right now, where you are right now, whatever time of the month that you're listening to this, be present to what you're still holding on to because no doubt you're filtering some of your life right now through things that have happened in your past. That's simply part of the human condition. But that, my friends, cannot be an excuse. That's something that we have to recognize in ourselves. Are we going to hold on to our past experiences and claim them as a way for us to avoid the healing that we are responsible for doing? Or are we in a comfortable place that where we want to stay in a perpetual victim mode? Look what's happened to us. And again, I'm not marginalizing or minimizing anything that's ever happened to you in your life. I know there's loss. I know there's sorrow. I know there are challenges. For years before I moved to teaching on an online platform, I held space as, as a spiritual care practitioner in private practice. I've sat with you while you've processed your grief. I've heard the stories. I see them now throughout our world and the pain that's suffering. But my friends, if we're here to fully immerse this and enjoy and embrace this physical experience we are having, then it is our responsibility to look at ways where we can heal fully, to step fully into our lives. So we're going to move on now to what, how we can move into talking about the wisdom of chaos. And as you know, it's no surprise to any of you, if you pick up 
your your paper or look at a news app right now, of course the virus is still here with us. Like I said at the beginning, we're in a makeshift studio right now, will be for some time. Political chaos is still with us, especially here in the United States, because as we just found out, we have several, um, many international listeners to my podcast, and I'm so grateful that you're here. And no doubt you are also, you also have a window to some of what's happening to us here. And we see across the world that the world and its inhabitants, including animals and the plants, are still hurting. So we're sensible people. We know that even though we have made it through 2020, some of the challenges of 2020 are continuing on into today. So what can we do to shift this observation of what's happened to us into actionable things? And what do I mean by this? Well, this now is us moving into talking about the wisdom of chaos. Because my friends, birthing is painful. I'm going to say that again. Birthing is painful. If you've ever witnessed a live birth or you you have you have witnessed the strength and the struggle it takes to push a newborn from the womb. Now this is true in humans and animal animals alike. And the baby, the infant, also endures a tremendous amount of pressure on its body as it is ejected from and moved away from the security of this cocoon into of a womb into a whole new environment, into, into the physical realm. This is the reality of existence because we know from pain bursts forth glorious life. So just as a mother, and that's that's a, any kind of mothering being, whether it's human or animal, birthing her newborn, humanity is birthing a brand new world. As we bear witness to these terrifying and life-changing events that we've been seeing over 2020, we must recognize them for what they can be. They can be a powerful catalyst to help create a new paradigm which will bring heightened levels of awareness, understanding, and connection and compassion. So I want to spiral back a little bit and talk about World War II because that was one of those such events. In America alone, Americans alone, we would lose 407,000 soldiers under the weight of that war. 407,000. Now we're not talking we're not talking about worldwide because now we're looking at the millions if we just looked out, but just in America alone, there was not one community that was left untouched by those losses. Parents were left without children and countless communities suffered over the loss of their young men, primarily men, because at that time it was not as common for women to serve. As, as a matter of fact, it was, it was frowned upon. And we'll certainly talk more about the rights of women and its place in spirituality as we move through our podcast series this year. But many of those young men were children. They were teenagers. And they would never live long enough to have children of their own. Indeed, this was a universal grief that was shared around the world, and it prompted global leaders to convene in agreement that this was too high a price to pay for war because so many of those leaders knew what they were doing because it was such 
a tragic war with with casualties so high many leaders many of the generals that were on those battlefields really struggled with emotional conflict inside them when they realized the decisions that they were making were going to be felt throughout the world as those young men were being killed on the battlefield but as disturbing as that was for the number of soldiers, even more disturbing disturbing was the slaughter of millions of innocent human beings. So many of them were children. Because of this pathology that is prejudice, bigotry, racism, and xenophobia, precious lives were exterminated by the millions because they were deemed despicable, untouchable, and unworthy. Now, when the world finally rose from this willful slumber. In other words, the Holocaust section, the mass extermination of the Jewish people went on for quite a while before finally the world could not ignore anymore what was happening around the world. And finally the world rose up and said enough. And in the end, World War II provided that mirror that mankind needed to see itself for what it was. And we responded and committed to a better way. So in other other words, a new world had been born. And yes, there have been wars since then. And America has fought in several wars. And there have been times where we have gotten very close to another World War III. But my friends, the reason that we come back and say not again is because we are committed to not going back and repeating history to that tragic degree. We've come very close. And it is my belief that even here in America, where we are today in our political climate, we came very close to another xenophobic, homophobic, racist society that was moving us into another dark age of oppression, but we awoke to it. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but we're awoke to that and said that when we go to sleep and let our hands off of the steering wheel, we cannot expect political leaders to be our moral compass. That is in our hands. So that is another place where America is right now, where we are saying We faced this chaos and we chose a better world. We chose a more humane option. We rose up out of this calamity, this chaos, this birthing into a new level, heightened level of compassion. Now, this does not happen overnight. Of course, it's still frustrating. And I hear this time and time again about how can we still be at a place where we have such heightened racism in this country? How can we still be at a place where people think that it's okay, that we are caging children? How can we find ourselves at a place where we are justifying that kind of behavior and finding validation in it through some kind of moral compass that's inside a religious belief or value? That 
absolutely confounds a lot, so many and frustrates so many of us. And I have to remind myself that even in my lifetime, in my lifetime, we had segregation where it was legal, where black children were separated from white children, and it was the disparity was unconscionable with how white children, how white schools were funded versus the black schools, and the violence that ensued to bring that, to, to stop that kind of segregation. In my lifetime, it was okay to label water fountains for black people versus water fountains for white, white, white people. In my lifetime, it was, it was illegal for a black person to marry a white person. In my lifetime, these were some of the realities of America. So we can get overwhelmed with where we are, but that's also a very simplified, singular, and almost selfish, almost, it, it, it will keep you in a place of immobilization. If we look at where we are right now without rising up 60,000 feet and higher and looking at where we've come, because let's be honest, we are no longer tossing children into volcanoes because we're trying to satisfy the angry God that's living in there. We are no longer lining up enslaved humans and auctioning them off like grandmother's estate furniture. And yes, there's places in the area in, in the world where women's rights are highly marginalized, but here in America and in uh, and across the world, they we can vote, we can work, we can own property. If we we can open a checking account without a, a, a man's permission, we can't if we if, if we're divorcing, we can get the house, we can get the children. Those were things that were not given in the past. So we have to rise up higher and see where we have come. This reminds me of the quote that is often attributed to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which is, the arc of the moral universe is long. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And this is very true. And, and President Obama loved that quote so much that he had it, it woven into a rug that was in the Oval, Oval Office. And I certainly agree with its energy and its intentions. But even that, that was actually a paraphrase to a sermon that was delivered by an abolitionist minister in 18. 53 by, uh, by Minister Theodore Parker. So this quote has a, a long root in histories and it was actually in history and it's actually from a white minister who was an abolitionist minister. He's uh, Parker studied at the Harvard Divinity School and eventually became an influential transcendentalist and minister in the Unitarian Church. Way to go, you, you uh, uh, ministers who I have so many who are friends here. So here's the sermon that, that Parker said where Dr. King got this uh, verse, got this phrase. Here's what he said, and I quote, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The ark is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by experience of sight. I cannot divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends towards justice. So Dr. King brought that to us 
in a paraphrase that certainly was powerful. But it, in the original context, it's also very powerful, my friends. And it also get, gives you hope. But we cannot stay focused on what's just in front of us, even the year that we've just come from, because that that justice is happening. But let me tell you, there is a warning that goes with these kinds of phrases. They don't happen without action. In other words, they are actionable. With our the work of our hands and feet, every generation has a responsibility to carry this work forward. So in other words, Dr. King took it to a point. Sadly, his life was cut way short. But at that point, many of us now step into those roles until we hand them off to other generations. So our actions and our words and what we leave, the legacy that we leave, inspires others to continue the work in our footsteps. That's the arc of the justice moving forward so that we we move farther away from the volcano incidents, from the Holocaust, from the civil rights violence. We're moving farther away because we're becoming more aware and more become active in this movement. And let me tell you that we are. You would think by what's happening in this country right now, especially with what is perceived as a uh, you know the the divide of how we are, but let me tell you, I'm I'm most assuredly, and we know this by statistics, we are the majority. Those of us who are working for social justice, those of us who are working to end oppression, those of us who agree that misogyny, racism, xenophobia, homophobia, none of that has a place in politics, nor does it have a should it have a foothold in religion. None of that belongs there. We are the majority. That's been happening a long time as there is a falling away from organized religion and these kinds of beliefs, this rigid dogma that requires that someone be less than in order for you to somehow be sacred. That's simply not true. And that's not the reality. So as we step into this movement and this power, we will start to understand that we're just not as politically connected, but we are becoming more so. As we understand that this this has been happening in this political alliance with this kind of uh, bigotry has been happening for years. We saw it with uh, Jerry Falwell and his connections with Ronald Reagan, and I don't want to get on a soapbox about that, but we'll certainly talk about it sometime in the future. But my friends, this is, this is the portal of the new year. This is the, the energy that we bring to that. We are carrying the collective history of where we've come from. And we're also now seeing how we ourselves just responded to this chaos. That's the gift of chaos. This is the birthing point that we now take into the new year. This is your chance. These are your the choices you make now from this point into the new year will set in motion where we're going as a humanity, collective humanity, but also you personally. This is soul work. This is spirituality. There is no difference between the work that you're doing on yourself and 
your spiritual growth and how you show up. Sacred activism is spiritual. Activism is spiritual. All of that is connected, my friends. We have a choice. Are we going to continue down this road? Are we going to allow history to repeat itself? Are we going to be a part of the collective awakening that says never again, never again? Happy New Year and blessed be. Okay, my friends. Just a couple of announcements before I sign off. If you have not checked out my first online course, please do, do so. Join us on this journey. This is called Holy in the Everyday. I always say it's two years in the making, but it was a lifetime in experiences. My friends, this is not a devotional. Absolutely nothing wrong with devotionals. But this is soul work. And if you're committed to the mind-body-spirit triad, like you exercise your body for a reason, you commit to time each day, you stimulate your mind with reading and energizing yourself with creativity, soul work requires that same kind of commitment. So I invite you to look at this. You don't have to sign up for the whole year. You can take one at a time. They're beautiful workbooks. And one of the number one um, uh, requests we get from our social media is, how do I work with you? Do you offer some kind of online course? So this is your opportunity to join me in this. Also be looking for an expansion here. I'm so excited to announce this addition to our podcast. Very soon here on Spirituality Matters, we will be offering an interview section. I am so excited. Such a blessing to be on this journey and see so many people of like minds. My co-host for this will be Reverend Arda Idas. Ides, and she is part of my seminary class. She's one of my seminary sisters, and she is uh, one of my dearest friends. You can read more about her soon on my website at RevCarla.com, but she has been an international business leader for so long. She has taught at uh, holistic work workshops, integrating the mind, body, and spirit for government uh, private and nonprofit sections for many years, including major universities. And she has spearheaded so many spiritual revolutions, revelations that have just changed lives. And uh, she is known for her interviewing prowess. And so I'm so honored to bring her up to the table for this. And you're going to see some incredible people come in to be interviewed. And it's going to help change your life, ground you with you where you are, and affirm you that you are on the right path because you're finding the people who believe, think, love, and move in the world the same way you do. So be looking for that very soon. Okay, beloveds, I am so honored to be in this space with you. And I pray you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace. Be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you. You are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. If you like what you heard today, be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. To have your question featured on an episode, email us at spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. 
Head over to RevCarla.com to sign up for Rev Carla's unique daily sacred course, Holy in the Everyday. And as always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.